Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey, y'all. Today I have Whitney Million with me. Hey, Whitney. Welcome. Hey, Hope. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am excited for everybody to hear your love story. All right, y'all. Whitney and I met through a mutual, well, we haven't actually met, but we got in contact with each other through one of my childhood friends who ended up moving to Australia. And I hope I can have her on the podcast. But she said, you should talk to Whitney. Whitney has met this guy, married him, and she's going to be moving to South Africa. So I kind of thought that was it. That was the story, but there's a lot more to it than that. So we're going to get into it and hear how Whitney made this huge or is making this huge transition, um, but also what led up to it. So Whitney, you were telling me about life maybe before COVID and how you were just working all the time. Can you walk me back through that period and how you were feeling? Yeah. So um, you know, back in those days, I was, I guess, kind of a classic workaholic. Um, I was working like 80 or 90 hours a week. Um, oh my gosh, how's that, that even possible? I have no idea how I did it back then at this point, but um, I think it was one of those things where I got out of school and I was used to, um, you know, taking pretty difficult a schedule of classes and then trying to find time to see my friends and holding on a job. Like I just somehow balanced everything. And when I went into the workforce, like out of college, I just started taking on extra projects and going to school at night. And then when I finished my master's, then I just started backfilling that with more work. Um, and then adding in, you know, travel. And as I took on more and more responsibilities, it just sort of snowballed. And I kind of lost sight of everything else. So it became what I did. Do you feel like you're one of those people who was kind of defining your value based on how much you could do and how you were pleasing everybody and saying yes and doing more and more and more? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I know that. (laughs) I know that well. Yeah. And it it felt like, um, you know, it, it starts in these kind of I guess, more innocent ways and then kind of can creep into something that is a little bit more damaging than what it would seem on the surface. But, you know, wanting to, to make other people proud and wanting to do a good job and, um, you know, not realizing that the sacrifices that I was making, you know, actually had some consequences for me, you know, beyond just maybe 
a few nights of not sleeping so well or skipping out on a fun night with friends, which seems kind of innocent enough, you know, in, in the moment, but making that a routine thing um, was really becoming problematic. And I was really, um, I was experiencing a high level of fatigue and burnout, but also just depression generally, like I really was not feeling well, um, you know, mentally, physically on any level at that time. And you said that it wasn't as much like feeling, um, sad. It was more of a numb sensation, like kind of detached and. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't feeling, um, I, I, in my mind, depression was like, oh, you just sit around and cry all the time. And I didn't really understand what was happening to me. I just didn't want to engage in anything. So I could sort of make myself get up and do what I needed to do for work and meet all of the commitments I had made to other people. And then there was just nothing left after that. Yes, that's like the definition of burnout. And I was just talking to another lady who was saying, like, you just give, give, give with your job because you don't want to disappoint anybody, but then you don't show up for yourself or for your family members. You're just like absent, done, drained. (laughs) Yeah. And it got to the point that I couldn't show up. So it wasn't even, you know, one, I had started losing the desire to show up in those places. And two, like there was nothing left to pull from, you know, if, if the time was made available, there was nothing in my energy reserves kind of left to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, and so that's what I was calling it back then was the void. So when I would talk to my therapist, I'd tell her, I'm like, I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm just in the void and there's just nothing around. Like it felt like everything was sort of happening to someone else. Um, Yeah. It's happening to you and mm -hmm. you're an observer just sort of watching all of it. Exactly. Did other people start to notice, like, did your mom and dad say, Whitney, what is going on with you? Or were your friends like, come on? Yeah, I think, I think people were worried, but at the same time, um, it's such a socially acceptable, I think kind of mm-hmm. not true that, um, that people maybe wouldn't have taken it as seriously as they had. If I was just, you know, if I wasn't going to work, if I was mm-hmm. just staying in bed all of the time, but I was functioning or appearing to function at such a high level that, I didn't really get that. I mean, I was, I was a CEO, I was traveling and going to really cool countries for work. And I think it, it gave enough of appearance of being okay. Yeah. You've got an awesome life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That people didn't worry, you know, too, too much. They'd just say, Oh, you know, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're eating. Um, But they didn't seem overly concerned in the way Mm -hmm. that they would have if I hadn't been able to keep up that kind of spinning that I was doing. That is kind of the American uh, success story is like you're working all the time and you're killing it. You're bringing home money. You're, you know, jet setting around the world. You worked for an underwater drone company, right? I did. I did. That sounds Uh, super cool. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, I loved my job. I, you know, I worked in defense primarily. um, Wow lots of cool technology and an important mission. I felt like, you know, the, the people that I was serving and um, bringing that technology to, it, it was all very important to me. Um, so yeah. And, and then you add that on top of that kind of hustle and grind like mm-hmm. mentality where it's like, you know, everybody's got a side hustle or a thing that they're doing, you know, you've got your, your daytime job and then your, you know, pursuits of other things that you're passionate about. And I think it's something that 
is really easy to do um, and not something that we talk a lot about, like the downsides of, of that lifestyle. You're right. And you just find yourself in this hamster wheel and you can't get out of it and you don't want anybody to know that you want to get out of it. You don't even want to admit to yourself that you want to get out of it, but it's like, how did I end up here? Yeah, exactly. You know, I remember going into a meeting with my financial advisor and I had, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something I would do all the time, but I'd have these nights and, and there was probably a period of a month or two where every single night I was waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning. Yes, girl. <laughs> Same. And like, yeah, I mean, my heart racing and just everything kind of spinning. And it was a combination of this like feeling of like, I, I can't stop. There's too many things going on. I can't allow mm-hmm. myself to rest or I'm not going to be able to keep all these balls in the air. Um, and it was this feeling of like um, maybe being worried that I was going to be found out as some kind of like fraud. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she can't what? handle it. Yes, exactly. And, and there was that side of it. And then there was all this kind of escapist thing that I would do to try to get myself back into a place I could go back to sleep. And I would look at these beach houses yeah. online and I would think like, there was some place in the back of my head. I thought like, if I could just get on a beach somewhere for a uh-huh. while, I'll be okay. Like I just need to thaw out. I need to get out of winter. <laughs> and and I had found this beach house that I thought was just the coolest thing, but it was out of the country and I couldn't, um, couldn't get a loan for it. So I go to my financial advisor's office and I said, you know, I think I want to take the money out of my 401k. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to go, you know, I'm going to buy this beach house and I'm going to just disappear and go live on a beach somewhere. And they, I remember them saying to me, like, how are you going to live when you're 65 or something? Oh, I hate that question. Uh huh. And I mean, all I could think was like, how am I going to live now? Like, <laughs> I can't do another, you know, 15 years or whatever. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it, it, it really kind of hit me. Like, I remember just like sitting in my car and crying after I left their office. Like, I can't do it. I can't keep doing it. So, yeah. That's, I had a similar um, financial advisor story. My husband and I went and it was supposed to be a routine. Like, let's just make sure we got enough for retirement one day. And um, he said, okay, hope he slid the papers across and he's like, "Uh, you should be pretty set. I've got you, you know, here calculated working another 20 years. And I just like lost it and got tears in my eyes. And I was like, I could feel my heart thumping out of my chest. And my husband's looking at me like WTF. (laughs) (laughs) And we got in the elevator and I just started bawling. And I was like, I can't do this another 20 years. This was a few years ago and I kind of felt burnout at that time, but yeah, I totally relate. It's like when they put it in the 60 year term, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, it's that idea of like, you know, uh, be responsible and do the right thing and make sure you've got enough saved up for then. And it's so focused on, you know, forward looking in the future that it's sometimes we, until you get some of that perspective where you Uh can look at it on a 60 year view and go like, wait a second. I don't know if I'm ready to sign up for all this at once. Like we, we don't necessarily look at those mm-hmm. kind of smaller moments without that view, I think. Yeah. And so you also mentioned that you did a meditation, like during this period, you were, somebody asked you to meditate on what was it your ideal or your perfect it was like scenario? A, 
um, your, your perfect day or just des describe a perfect moment or something like that. And um, I remember it, it came to me so clearly and so vividly, like that, you know, I'm in some warm place and there's like lemon trees and I can feel the, the sun on my skin. And um, it was very like tactile and, and sensory the way that mm -hmm. it came to me. And I think what I realized when I did that um, and, and started writing about it was that, um, you know, for a long time with being in that void, that, you know, depression, burnout state, um, a lot of what I was focusing on was like the off ramp. And the only thing I could imagine, um, because like retirement seemed so far away, there wasn't any mm -hmm. picture was just like some point in time, I'm going to die. And then I guess I rest then. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even visualize like what it could look like outside of that. And I think I had this really clear moment where it was kind of like, okay, what I actually want is not to have to stop doing all of this. I want to do it more fully. I want to live yes. in a way that like I taste my food and I uh -huh. know who's around me and I, I realize when it's sunny outside and I'm not, you know, sitting inside huddled over a computer, you know, so busy with everything else going on that I can't even feel that. Yeah. You want to be fully alive. Yeah. And so I was, I was really having this like moment where I wasn't sure what exactly that could look like, but at the same time, it was such a simple thing, right? Like to, uh -huh. to just want to feel sunshine and taste fruit. Like that's pretty attainable. Right. So it was shortly after that, that you met this guy. Yes. So I um, actually decided to take a little bit of time off of work. I took a two weeks off to go to a retreat. And um, while I was there, I met this guy. Okay, hold on. What and, kind of retreat? <laughs> okay. Um, so this was a, it, it's called nonviolent communication. Oh, I love that. Marshall Rosenberg. Yes. Yes. So I did um, an immersive um, I think 10 day retreat in Florida. Um, and this was just last year, uh, yeah. that was from last year. And, um, I, I went to go do that because I honestly, I, what I felt like I needed was a break, but I also didn't really trust myself to just go sit on a beach somewhere and not oh, plug in. I thought, yeah. you know, so I'm you signed up for a course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I thought if I have enough structure around my day, then like, I won't be able to constantly check, you know, emails. That is so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So you put yourself on a leash on the, <laughs> so you couldn't. Yeah. And then you met this guy and were you thinking like, he is so cute or were you like, eh, he's, I thought, well, I thought he was cute, but I also have a thing for accents and he was South African mm -hmm. and he had just a real dreamy accent. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but I wasn't, I wasn't really looking for anything at that time either. So I kind of like, I sort of appreciated it, but just thought, nothing else of it. Like uh -huh. I wasn't going to, you know, make a move or anything. Um, <laughs> like I was there, you know, to recharge my batteries and, and not to find a boyfriend. So, right. um, but it turned out the last day of the retreat, um, he was looking for a ride to the airport and I had a ride with a friend. So, um, I invited him to come along and yeah. we ended up going through security and sitting at outside of Dunkin' Donuts and just 
talking and talking. And next thing I knew my, I looked at my phone and my plane had taken off about an hour before. Oh my gosh. I just totally missed it. And so, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So we decided to, um, to stay another day and changed our travel plans. And that is so spontaneous. Are you normally like that? No, not normally, especially when I think <laughs> I've got, you know, an obligation, a commitment, and I have a, a plan. I tend to kind of stick to it, but it sort of felt like one of those, one I had had, you know, about a week and a half away where I was maybe a little bit more relaxed than yes. a my normal flow of things. And two, we were really connecting and I thought, you know, it's not something that I do that often. And mm-hmm. I really felt it was important to just take that time and see if it was worth investing any more time or attention or energy into. Did you feel like your inner self was like jumping up and down like, yay, you're listening? Or was it maybe in hindsight more? Yeah, it was. And and I think um, after after we left and I was telling my my family and, you know, I had to let a couple of people know where I was. And why <laughs> You'd I already was. taken off two weeks, so... <laughs> what was going on and everybody was very supportive in the way they responded to it yeah and I remember being really surprised about that too because I was like okay that's kind of validating like Uh everybody else sort of feels like maybe this is a thing I should be focusing on a little bit more too so yeah all right so then what that this was like March this that was I guess end of February okay so right before the pandemic so then did y'all start dating from a distance we did, and we were FaceTiming um, regularly, and he had invited me to come out and visit at some point in time, and I- Come to South Africa? Come to South Africa. Wow. Yeah, and so I had booked a trip for a couple months out from then. Okay. And um, then it started looking like, you know, we've got this COVID thing coming on, and what, like, we're not going to be traveling so much for work. And I thought maybe this is the right time to actually go because things in the U S were shutting down, but there weren't a lot of cases in South Africa. Okay. At the time I sort of thought like, this is great. I mean, I'm not going to be traveling for work for a little bit so I can go visit him without a huge disruption. Um, And little did I know that moving this trip up was kind of sealing my fate to a certain extent. <laughs> because you flew there on which day? I want to say it was like, like March 17th or something. Yeah. Like that. And you said like the next day. And I, I landed and they shut the border the next day. Man, what did you feel? Were you excited? Were you like scared to death? I honestly, I, I didn't think in my wildest dreams, I didn't think it would be shut more than a couple of weeks. Okay. So, so you were thinking, I, well, I'm here anyway. I'm here. Maybe I'll be here a week longer than I envisioned or something like that. But it didn't, okay. it didn't seem like it was going to be a major thing when the, when the borders closed. So I think if I had realized exactly how long it was going to turn out being, that <laughs> I probably would have gone into full panic mode. Um, but initially I didn't realize and it was just kind of like, okay, well, I have to give into it a little bit and I can't control this one thing. So I'm going to learn how to roll with it. Yeah. Um, 
but then, you know, as, as time wore on, that's when the panic, I think, I think about week three is when the panic really set in because I realized we're getting along fine. Everything's great, but I'm essentially stuck in the house with this person. You're stuck on another continent from your job, your family, like (laughs) everything, everything with this guy that you didn't know until a couple of a couple months weeks. earlier. I mean, not even a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> so, so you ended up staying how many months? I ended up staying about 10 months. Wow. Okay. So then so tell the, us what happened. So the, the borders didn't reopen until um, October. So I was there from March to October. Um, but we just sort of, we, we were locked down in the house and I spent my days, um, you know, I, I spent my days working and, and supporting my job remotely, but not with the same level of intensity Yeah, of things going on before I, I couldn't travel. So that cut out a lot of hours just right off the bat, not sitting in the airports and uh-huh. you know, all of those things. Um, and it, it really, I guess, being physically stuck in one place there wasn't all of the the little things you know like running to this class or you know get to yoga get to Mm -hmm. the gym like all these little things that eat up kind of time throughout the day um that maybe I enjoyed but it it sort of forced me to slow down and step away to a certain degree um so I found like I was taking more walks and I was you know Mm -hmm. laying out by the and and even when I was working I was taking my computer out and sitting outside and were there lemon um, trees there were no lemon trees Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I did get a little bit of like sunshine and I got you know the ocean and um and it wasn't it wasn't even you know it wasn't ever specifically about the lemon trees or you know that's a specific place it was like I found that I was getting up and, and having fresh fruit and I was cutting it and, mm-hmm. you know, not running through like a shop to get a smoothie somewhere and, you know, tapping out emails on my phone while I was waiting on them to make it for me. Like yes. I was taking the time to actually like make my own meals and these things that seem so simple and so obvious, but are really grounding. Um, and, so, and true. so important. And I love how you're talking about the fresh fruit and, you know, with our visualizations, a lot of times we think it has to be this way. I picture myself in a villa in Italy and if I don't get there, then it's, you know, it means it wasn't worth it. And, but it's more the feeling, it's more that sense of possibility and freedom. And just like you said, feeling grounded and in your body. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it is like it it's not so much like while it was very clear to me this idea of this place or this kind of way of being in life that's really what it was was mm-hmm. a, a way of interacting with the world around me that I was craving less than in a specific, you know, time or place or you know, undertaking an exact specific activity and yeah. Uh, so, and what are your parents saying at this point? Were they freaking out on the phone or are they like, get home? Like, we'll call the embassy. We'll get you home. <laughs> no, um, you know, I think that it was probably a mixed bag for them, you know, mm-hmm. being a little bit nervous that here's their kid in another continent in the middle of a pandemic yeah. with some strange man that they've never met. 
<laughs> uh, so, so I think on one level they were worried and on another, they realized like I was sleeping and I was napping and I was, yes. you know, I was looking healthier and the dark bags under my eyes were starting to go away. Uh-huh. And so I think they also realized that that balance that I was all of a sudden getting was really good for me. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so they were supportive and they were caring for my dogs and, you know, I, I, um, I had a lot of support, you know, my, my coworkers were picking up things and taking certain meetings when the hours didn't work right. And, um, everybody kind of did their part in a way that they probably would have done and helped me with all along, but Mm -hmm. I never asked for help. You know, I felt like I I had to do it all myself and I had a lot of pride around kind of doing it all myself Mm -hmm. and not asking for anyone to help me. Um, so it was kind of incredible, like being in a place where all of a sudden I had to yeah. change what I was doing and, um, sort of being forced out of my comfort zone in that way and realizing like, oh, Hey, it still gets done. And even if it's not done exactly the way I would do it, like it's done and it's great and everything's working just fine. And I'm not killing myself to get there. Yeah. And I am thinking logistically, I'm like, okay, what did you do about your prescriptions? Like, were you still taking your, your pills? Were you... <laughs> So I, I had been on antidepressants, um, for a while before I had gone on this trip and I had taken, I I think the pharmacy let me pick up one extra, um, as a travel Mm -hmm. pack. Um, so I had what I thought was more than enough for the short trip I'd planned on being there and I did not. Um, yeah. And you told me you tried several different antidepressants over the years thinking, oh, this is the pill. This one's not working. And then this one's not working. And you didn't realize like, it's not really yeah. about the pill at this point. Right. So I would, I, I had finally gotten on one for a few months that seemed to be helping things, but it was, I had done that. I mean, I, it was brutal for like, you know, while I'd try something for three or four weeks and it wasn't really making any difference. I'd try another one. And then I'd finally gotten on one where things felt like they were starting to balance out for me. Um, and then I get there and I was going to either have to go see a doctor and get another prescription there because mine couldn't be used. My U S prescription couldn't be used there. Um, but what I actually found that was that when I started sleeping and eating Mm -hmm. and taking care of myself a little bit better, I didn't actually really need them. So, um, I I didn't do this on my own. I talked to my doctor then you know, kind of coordinated how we were going to, how we were going to handle things But I did end up coming off of, um, the meds and, um, luckily didn't need to, to go back on them. That's great. At what point did you start to think, I think I'm falling in love with this guy. Um, I think that some part of me knew that, that this guy was a little different, um, before I went. Yeah. Cause otherwise you probably wouldn't have flown to South Africa to stay with him. Exactly. Um, so there, there was some part of me that kind of knew that there was this ease about things with him and that yeah. it just felt a little different than the other you know, dates I'd been on and early phases of relationships that I'd been in to that point. Um, but I think when I started realizing that I really, you know, maybe was in love with this guy, um, was when I had an opportunity or thought I might have an opportunity to get on a repatriation flight. Uh-huh. 
St. Louis. So they were going to let you maybe come home because you're American and you need to come home to America. <laughs> exactly. So they, the, there was a flight coming out, but they had over, oversubscribed it. You know, you could get on a waiting list and that's where I was. I put myself on the waiting list and I was having a full-blown like crisis over it because mm-hmm. on one hand, um, you know, he couldn't come with me. He, uh-huh. He's not a U.S. citizen and he could not get on that flight. Um, and I, I realized, you know, I wanted to be there and wanted to give the opportunity for that to develop in whatever way it might. And at the same time, I felt like, you know, I have all these responsibilities back home. And if I have an option to get back, then I need to go take care of all of these things. And there are a lot of stories and chatter in my head about like, what does this mean about me? You know, if I am uh-huh. have a, if, if I didn't have a chance to go, then I just didn't have a chance to go. And I didn't have to take any real responsibility right. for being there and for what was going on. It was kind of happening to me. But once there was potentially a chance to go, then I had to take some responsibility and say like, okay, now do I, do I choose to stay or, or do I get on this plane? Uh, That's so tough. I could picture a movie scene with this. Were you, were you secretly hoping you wouldn't get bumped up to the, past the waiting list? Um, you know, I think it, it would go back and forth. I would have moments where I would sit down and really be thinking about like trying to make a decision in the way that I normally make decisions in life, like very much yeah. in my head. And I would sit down and try to, you know, I was writing out like pro and con lists and all of these things and like trying to list off like, well, this is all the stuff, you know, I need, I've got to, I've got to handle, you know, a hundred things and, and I can't do them from here and I've, I've got to be responsible and, 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 you know, I could go and he can come visit me. So I'm, I'm yes. writing everything in my head of what this should be. Uh-huh. And when I would get into that space, I would kind of panic and it was like, nope, the only option is for me to get on that plane. I need to go because that's, that's the right thing to do. And this was how many months at, or how many weeks, sir? I would say, um, I'd probably been there about two months or so at this point. Okay. So still relatively new, still new, but long enough that, you know, the initial kind of vacation phase had Uh sort of grown out of it. And it was very much starting to feel like, okay, we've pretty much just moved in together. Right. And like, this is, this is becoming some sort of reality of, of living. You've got a toothbrush on the counter. You've got (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and so what I was noticing is like, I would have these huge swings where sometimes I was a hundred percent in the boat of like, I got to get on that plane. Like they need to figure out how to get me moved up the list. And then Uh other times I would like sort of look around me and realize like, I'm really happy here. This is going well. And like, why would I want to get on that plane? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really, I, I struggled with it. Um, we actually went and saw, um, we couldn't go in person because everything was locked down, but we started seeing a couples therapist on zoom. That and, is so smart. Yeah. So I'm mean, genius. It, it was really helpful for us to just be able to kind of say out loud, like how we're feeling and what we're afraid of. And, um, you know, just kind of work through it collaboratively instead mm-hmm. of being feeling like it was a decision I had to make all on my own. And, um, 
take all that responsibility for kind of by myself. So, um, and, and ultimately I decided that I wanted to stay and that was very lucky because I wouldn't have been on that flight anyway. <laughs> but I'm glad you decided that ahead of time. Like, you yeah, know. yeah. I kind of came to that place where it was like, uh, I think right now this is the place I'm supposed to be. And I just need to, to roll with it a little bit longer. So, yeah. And so then y'all kept, I guess I was going to say dating, but it was a little more than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at what point did it progress to like, I think I want to spend the rest of my life with this guy. Um, you know, it was the kind of small things, just realizing that, um, you know, we, we worked well together and we, you know, it, it was just easy in a way that I didn't expect it to be like once I allowed myself to get out of my head and stop thinking about like what I should be doing mm -hmm. everything just got so easy and so clear it was like you know we cooked dinner well together we you know enjoyed doing a lot of the same things and the the things about that relationship that made me uncomfortable like talking about my feelings mm -hmm. uh, he's very good at so yeah um, I found that like the differences that we had really worked well together. And mm -hmm. when I allowed myself to stop thinking about the way things should be and the way I would plan them, all of a sudden it, it just became real clear. Like in my mind, you know, I had it, you know, you need to date somebody for two years. I don't know where the number yeah. came from. Mm -hmm. No, I need to date somebody this amount of time and then we will be engaged. And then, you know, it's like very type A, just yeah. this is the the way that things should be. And um, it wasn't at all like that. It was kind of like, okay, well, we've spent, you know, six months together and I'm very sure of, of exactly where I want to be. Um, and it was maybe a little different too, because we were locked in a house for six months together. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, um, I guess normal kind of dating where you're maybe going on a couple of dates and right. it's a few days you don't see each other and back and forth. So I sort of thought if, if we can manage being locked in a house together for this long, not yeah. going anywhere, then we can probably do okay. <laughs> but I love how you stepped away from the clutter of your thoughts about, I should do this, I should do that. And you just drop down into that inner calm, that peace, that get away from all that clutter. And that's where you felt like you were happy and you were, you were at peace with the decision. Yeah. You know, I actually, I, I read a book one time that talked about, um, it, it was talking about something about like how children are happy and how they experience mm -hmm. happiness in maybe a little different way than adults a lot of times do. And um, that sort of the way they described it was like blowing a dandelion and like allowing to something, allowing something to just like wash over you like a breeze mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to attain something. So they said, you know, adults talk about happiness largely because we're not. And it's, yes. you know, the more you chase it, the harder it seems to kind of like find that thing. But if you yeah. just open up and allow it to happen, like it's there, it's in those, you know, small moments of just like making a latte in the morning or, uh -huh. you know, sitting outside for a few minutes on a, on a break. It's, it's like, it's there and it's accessible when you're not trying to like push and overthink and create, you know, that specific thing. Like, that's so true. I'm like, okay, we're going to have a happy Saturday y'all. We're going to have a picnic and then we're going to watch a movie together. And I'm like playing, figuring it out, making lists. Like, here's what we're going to do. 
And you're right. Like children don't do that. They just blow a dandelion and <laughs> that makes them happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I think, I think that was it is the more I could get out of that place where I'm planning and trying to control and needing to know what's going to happen next, like just started focusing a little bit more on like, how am I actually feeling with this yeah. stuff going on around me? And like, letting that guide me, um, as opposed to a lot of the ways I would make, you know, decisions or, or thoughts Uh before around like, um, you know, weighing different options and, you know, really Mm -hmm. getting into my brain about it. Yes. And so then y'all flew home together, right? We did. Um, so he came back home with me at the end of October and met my family and everybody got along great. Um, we actually ended up getting married on Christmas Eve. Aww. My dad married us in the living room. So we had a real, you know, COVID Zoom wedding with, you know, a few family and friends on the computer with I it. I love it. And so now let's see, it's what month is it? March almost. And y'all are married and you're trying to get a, you're waiting on a green card. Is that what it's called? A green card? Well, I'm, I'm waiting on my visa because visa. We're, okay. we're, we're <laughs> going back to Africa. So, um, yeah, so now I'm waiting on a visa to come through and um, Yay. back there. And then will you still work with the same company? So I'm still working with them. Um, I'm not working with them in the same way that, that I was. You know, I'm no longer in that 80 or, or 90 hour a week sort yeah. of situation. Um, but still working with the same company. And, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of exploring what is next and and what that might look like. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my yoga teacher training. And, um, yeah, just kind of right now, the, the main thing is just sort of getting, getting back out there and making the decision of where it is we want to stay. And um, I guess, as I was kind of putting it, it's like taking the, the right next step. So just, uh-huh. just, just one step at a time, like yes. no idea what comes after that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Don't try to plan out the next 10 years. We're going to live here. Then we're going to move here. And yeah. And it's so do tempting you- to do because people ask, you know, they want that when, when they start hearing like, oh, you know, you've spent this last several months in one country and, and mm-hmm. then another and, um, you know, one partner's from one place, like they want to know the plan and yeah, you know, it makes them feel better. Like knowing exactly. that. <laughs> that somebody's not just just flowing yeah and as a recovering people pleaser it's like I really want to tell them an answer so it's I know kind of like to to blurt something out just to satisfy it but I'm trying to get a little more comfortable leaning into that space of just uh-huh. I don't know I have no idea <laughs> and if you had to go back and tell Whitney like a year 18 months ago like give her some advice She's working all the time. She's got these bags under her eyes. She's depressed. She's, <laughs> what would you tell her? <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing at that point is like, rest is not laziness. Like uh-huh. those are not the same things. Um, and that, you know, taking a break and getting some space, like actually enables you to be kind of more in your integrity and more yeah. in, in whatever it is you're choosing to invest yourself in. Um, so I, I know that my mindset before this was very much around um, keeping my commitments to everyone else. And usually that meant at the expense of any kind of promise I had made to myself. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I felt like I was doing really great if I could manage to make it to like the yoga class I had signed up for that day. Um, but that's, that's one hour out of, you know, 24 Mm -hmm. that I was giving to myself. Um, and so now I've, I've sort of tried to change my behaviors around that. And I, I think that's one of those things I would have suggested to her too, is like our mornings are our favorite times. Like mm-hmm. that is, that is the time of day that I have the most energy and I'm most focused. And, um, so I always felt like I need to get into the office or get behind my computer as early as I possibly can, because that's my very best mm-hmm. work that I can do. Um, and then what I've started doing now is just giving myself the first hour of the I day. Love that. Um, so that's when I, I sit down and write or, you know, meditate or do some yoga or whatever, you know, or, or sit around and like drink a cup of tea and don't do anything. But mm-hmm. um, I give myself that like really fresh hour. And then, you know, even if it's my second best, it's still a really great couple hours that I'm throwing in for everybody else after that. Um, but yeah, it's like that, that's not laziness. That's not wrong. It's just taking care of me so that I have the ability to take care of everybody else. And like I said, kind of redefining what, what I see as being, um, integrity. I love that. Oh, such a good story. All right. We're going to have to have you on later and see where, see what happens a year from now. (laughs) hopefully like a post-covid kind of space and and actually explore this country i'm moving to we'll record it live from south africa by the pool perfect (laughs) all right thank you so oh whitney tell people where they can find you do you have like a website or (laughs) or instagram or facebook or anything um i do i'll include it in the show notes how about that Put it in the show notes because I just changed my Instagram handle and for the life of me, I could not tell you exactly what it is right now. That's okay. I'll give it to y'all and then you can follow it. Well, you can try. She may not want you to follow her, but <laughs> you can oh, try yeah, following. The the Do what? I said the more the merrier. Come okay. Check out the beach pictures and penguins and whatever else I get to post. <laughs> All right. We'll put it in the show notes. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks, Hope. Oh my gosh, y'all, wasn't that the best episode? Okay, here's Whitney's take-home points. Workaholism can start with good intentions and can feel innocent, but the sacrifices of working all the time can lead to burnout, fatigue, and physical symptoms of illness. Number two, society often sees burnout as acceptable because you're seemingly functioning at a high level, but you eventually lose your ability and desire to show up in your life. Number three, depression doesn't have to look like sadness. Whitney describes it as feeling like she was in a void. Notice if you're waking up at two or three in the morning with anxiety. Notice if you're having escapist fantasies. Notice if you're not mentally present in your life. Number five, when you're in the throes of burnout, you might not even be able to visualize an ideal future life. She could only focus on the off-ramp. After talking to a therapist and meditating, she decided she wanted to live her life fully, to feel sunshine, to taste fresh fruit, instead of just going through the motions. Number six, ask yourself if the voice in your head is telling you what you should be doing based on societal expectations. 
Number seven, sometimes we need to be open to life to just allow it to happen. Happiness is there and accessible if we can stop planning, making lists, and trying to control every detail. Number eight, allow yourself, or sorry, ask yourself how you're feeling. Let this guide you instead of letting your brain figure it out with thinking. Number nine, sometimes it's important to focus focus on the next right step and not try to plan out for the next five years. Even though when your friends and family ask you what you're going to do, they really want you to give them an answer like, this year we'll do this. Next year we'll do this. Instead, just focus on the next right step. Number nine or number 10, rest is not laziness. I'll repeat that. Rest is not laziness. Taking a break and getting some space will allow you to have more integrity in whatever it is you're doing. And if you want to see pictures of Whitney and her cute husband, you can go to our show notes and I'll link her Instagram handle. All right. Thanks again, Whitney. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.